Thank you, Sydney. Uh, and our final speaker is Mark Grieve, and he is a chemistry professor and vice chair of chemistry department at the University of Nebraska. There's a really creative chemistry and uh, creative physics here, and I want to convince you to use movies in your classroom and to reach the public. So I'm going to start then with a justification on why you should use movies in your classroom. And any of you who actually teach, probably you do demonstrations right now. And I think the reasons that you use demonstrations in the classroom are the same reason you should use movie clips. So I've got two people who have quotes here. Uh, Hubert Allier said, surprise, you were in truth of the servants of a good lecturer. He said that in 1955 in the Journal of Education. And who is Hubert Allier? Well, he's not, he is the premier chemical demonstrator of all time. He wrote a series of articles for JCHEMED telling high school teachers how to do demos and very uh, cryptic descriptions, what types of chemicals you should use, how to build your chemical shelf. And so that lasted till about the mid 80s. Um, more importantly though, since we're in Anaheim, in 1958, Hubert Allier actually did a chemical show at the Brussels World Fair. And who should be in the audience but Walt Disney. And Walt Disney loved his talk so much that he said, we've got to make a movie about you. He went back home, told the guys, okay, make a story about some crazy scientist uh, who's a chemist. And that turned into the absent-minded professor. So a real chemist has influenced very strongly what goes on in the screen and created one of the iconic images of scientists in the movies. So um, more justification for using demos in the classroom. They teach chemistry. They're fun. And again, movie clips are fun. Um, but what movie clips do more than chemical demonstrations is they show people, actors, interacting with chemicals. You don't get that in a demo. And so people can actually envision themselves interacting with these things. Okay, so um, there are many examples of chemistry in the movies. And about 10 years ago, my wife Marjorie and I were watching uh, Clambake, uh, the movie starring Elvis. And it's not that we watch Elvis all the time, but um, we watch a lot of movies. And wouldn't you know, this guy is creating a super hard, super fast drying varnish. And he's going to put it on a boat, and he's going to win the race, he's going to win the girl, he's going to win his father's respect. I mean, this is good stuff. And he calls his super hard, super fast drying varnish goop. The real name is a foot long. And then later on, somebody else names the molecule. And I love this. So varnish is goopy. You know, that's an acronym. They turned it into an acronym. And then somebody somewhere, some screenwriter, wrote glycooxytonic phosphate. Now, where did they come up with that? But I'm saying, I am a chemist. I know the naming rules. I should be able to draw this molecule. And um, I couldn't really, but um, I looked up varnishes because I didn't learn varnishes when I took organic chemistry. And linseed oil is the classic varnish. And what happens is you put this oil on your solution, on your, your surface, and then oxygen from the atmosphere cross-links the double bonds, creating a very hard network. Okay, well, it turns out another character said glycol oxyoctanoic phosphate, and you can actually draw that, right? So there are the parts of this molecule. The only part missing is oxy, and it occurred to me he actually meant epoxy. He was just shortening it so that it made a nice little word. And I made it an omega-3 fatty acid uh, oxygen, and um, I think anybody in the room here could connect these things and make goop. So there it is. 
real chemistry embedded in an Elvis movie, and who's going to care, right? If you're watching an Elvis movie, you're not interested in the chemistry, but there it is. And I'm telling you, it is everywhere in these movies. This is just astounding stuff. Not only that, but that molecule is going to be smaller than linseed oil, and so it's going to be faster and harder. All right. Um, so how are you going to make your list of chemistry in the movies? Well, you need rules. And so what rules do I use to decide whether there's chemistry in the movies? Well, someone's identified as a chemist. Then it doesn't matter what they do, it is chemistry. The other thing is somebody mentions some molecule or a compound, and then you write that down, and it might be pretty interesting. What I really look for is the three-minute scientific explanation scene where they tell why they chose that particular one or what does it really do. Now, these are really broad um, rules for inclusion, so I actually need rules for exclusion. And uh, gold, everybody talks about gold and diamonds and water, and you know, that's pretty boring stuff. But sometimes um, the, um, th you want to talk about gold. And if you've seen the Iron Man thing, right, he's gold titanium alloy man. Um, and heavy water was really popular after World War II. Um, so how have I used movies in the classroom? I've used entire movies, and I've got a list on the next slide here of uh, really outstanding movies that you could show in their entirety as writing assignments. And that's uh, one thing I've done. So, but I love using movie clips in my classroom. It completely grabs their attention. And again, my underlying hope is that by seeing these examples in the real world of chemistry, not in the classroom, when they're out watching another movie, they're going to think there's some chemistry there. And they're going to think about chemistry outside of my classroom, which is my main goal. Um, OK, so there are many movies based on true stories. Um, Dr. Ehrlich's Magic Bullet is about the beginning of chemotherapy or um, synthetic drugs. It's an outstanding movie all the way to me and Isaac Newton, starring um, seven different scientists. It's a documentary. And Gertrude Ellian, we are just so lucky, Gertrude Ellian is the chemist in that movie. Uh, she's extremely charming. And so I've used probably four of those movies in my classroom. Um, I would urge you, though, to watch any movie before you actually spring it on your students. Um, the Serpent of the Rainbow is about uh, the zombie molecule, the discovery of the zombie molecule down in Haiti. And um, there's some really unbelievable scenes in that movie. So each one of these has a different chemical theme, and each one has a different social theme. Then if um, that list was not enough, and that was um, published in the Journal of Chemical Education, um, my wife and I have uh, written a book, Reaction Chemistry in the Movies, and we summarize 110 different movies in 10 different themes. But the basis is that uh, movie makers and television makers are not chemists. They're not scientists. And, but they're trying to reach people who, again, are not chemists, who are not scientists. And so they're going to make it understandable in some way because they want their audience to watch this thing. But as a chemist, when you are watching movies, you are bringing everything you know to the movie, and you're going to see the chemistry very differently than someone else. And so I believe we can take those and try to show our students how we see these clips, and they can actually learn about chemistry that way. To select the movies, um, we've got about 1,400 movies um, that have chemistry in them. But uh, these are the criteria that we chose to put them in the book. And um, the idea of uh, my personal favorite and uh, Marjorie's personal favorite really trumped quite a few other features. And we like the older films. So there's so much uh, stuff in some really old films. And they ended up being the icons for that chapter. Um, Dr. Alex Magic Bullet, for instance is about drug discovery, and there are plenty of movies about drug discovery. 
So um, how to reach students out of the classroom. I think um, many of you probably have outreach days, chemistry outreach days, and so I put together a little uh, one-hour lecture every year that's different. And um, we do demonstrations, we talk about our science in our research labs, about 10-minute talks, but then I do my um, chemistry in the movies talk. And every year I come up with a different theme. Um, Dr. Jekyll is really big, but um, uh, chemists are from Mars, chemists are from Venus, on that one, I have a three-minute clip of a woman chemist and then a three-minute clip of a male chemist doing exactly the same thing. Um, there are more women chemists than any other type of scientist. And I've got a list of about 60 women chemistry in the movies. So uh, the future is bright for chemistry in the movies. Um, since our book was published in 2009, um, these movies have quite a bit of chemistry in it. Right now in the theaters is Limitless which is about a clarity drug. And this guy is able to um, earn millions of dollars in a couple weeks. And um, there are movies in production that have old themes. And I know there are at least two versions of Jekyll and Hyde out there. And so if anybody knows April Ferrara, the director, you know, just tell him I've got some great ideas on the Jekyll formula. Um, <laughs> and um, the actors are increasingly diverse. The Alfred P. Sloan Foundation funds screenwriting programs, and uh, we've already heard about the Science and Entertainment Exchange. So thank you very much. <laughs>